grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Once again, we're continuing our theme for the Sundays of this Lent, uh, walking through Lent with Luther and uh, using the same readings he used in his Lenten uh, journey uh, and some of the colorful quotes he provided to illustrate those. As uh, today, uh, uh, we focus on what I would call a, a picnic in a graveyard. And uh, this marks a little bit of a transition in the season of Lent and in the uh, focus of our lessons uh, for Lent, where the first three uh, Sundays had to do with Jesus' victory over the devil, uh, overcoming uh, Satan and freeing us, liberating us uh, from the devil's tyranny and oppression to s- under sin and death. Uh, the, the next three Sundays, including this Sunday, uh, focus more on the reign of Christ, uh, the uh, realities uh, of uh, grace and freedom in the kingdom in which we now live, having been liberated uh, from the kingdom of the devil. And while this is certainly a a realm of joy and peace and blessing and thanksgiving, it is one that still requires us uh, to think a little bit about it. Uh, The picture I chose up there is uh, some immigrants coming over to Ellis Island. I don't know if you can see the Statue of Liberty. It actually got cut off there. Uh, So you can imagine that there's a cross there even easier because you don't have the Statue of Liberty to distract you. Uh, That we're like immigrants really coming to a new land, uh, being brought by God's grace into his heavenly kingdom. And while there's immeasurably more blessing and prosperity and goodness there, there's also some adjustments to make, especially as we learn to leave behind some of the uh, struggles of the sinful nature that our sinful nature wants to carry with us. So that starts uh, today with the idea of recognizing God's provision and the goodness of God's provision and learning to receive what God gives us with gladness rather than holding on to the things that God has freed us from. Martin Luther uh, expressed it it this way in his sermon on uh, our gospel lesson, whether it's riches on the right or poverty on the left, God's word and faith are under a constant threat. He was pointing out how uh, when times are good, it's easy to... uh, to forget about uh, God and his blessings, the eternal things. Because, hey, you know what? I got food to eat. Uh, I got a good house. I got a nice car. Everything's all right. What do I need God for? On the other hand, when things aren't going so well, Luther points out that the panic starts to set in. It's like, what do I got to do to take care of myself? What do I got to do to secure for my needs? And falling into sin and uh, bad decisions over and above the first failure just of not 
trusting in God. We're in the same position today as Martin Luther's hearers were almost 500 years ago. Uh, Whether it's riches on the right or or poverty on the left, in good times and bad times, we're constantly uh, under the threat of failing to recognize God's provision and receive it with thanksgiving. The, uh, you know, as I was looking at these texts, it, it occurred to me a, a, a new way of really thinking about a different text, uh, the very beginning of all of them, Genesis chapter 1. And, and it occurred to me, you know why God made people on the sixth day last of all creation? Probably because otherwise it would have gone something like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God spoke and said, let's make man. And man came into being. And he said, what are you doing, God? There's no light. Shouldn't you make some light? Oh, well, now there's light, but you made the light before the sun and the moon. Where's the light coming from? That doesn't make any sense. You should have made the sun first. I think God waited to make man until it was all done, just so man wouldn't criticize it as it was going on. Because that's what we do, isn't it? You look at our Old Testament lesson, the Israelites are constantly grumbling. They're grumbling about being rescued from slavery in Egypt. Why have you brought us out here to starve us to death in the wilderness? Oh, remember how good it was back in Egypt? All that good, yummy food. When God provides for the manna and quail. But it won't be long later on that you hear the Israelites grumbling, we are sick and tired of this manna. Manna, manna, manna. Uh, this, we do the same thing, though. Uh, whatever God provides for us, uh, uh, it's easy for us to find fault. And as we walk through our life of discipleship. Again, one of the great needs uh, for our growth is recognizing to receive what God gives us with gratitude rather than grumbling. I should have had this slide up earlier. Now you know it's there. One of the hardest parts about receiving God's provision, though, is when God's provision is nothing but a promise. When you get an an IOU instead of a payment, it's not the the best feeling in the world. And very often what God gives us is a promise. That's actually the greatest of his gifts to us, that he teaches us to trust in the most is his gift of a promise. That's difficult to receive whether it's on the one riches on the right hand or poverty on the left we may want to neglect it and think of it well i've got real things to be thankful for what do i need a a promise for 
Or if you're on the, the poverty side, well, a promise, okay. That and a couple of bucks will get you a cup of coffee. And not at Starbucks, but gas station maybe. But we often find ourselves in a position, I think, of saying, you know, I don't need a promise. I need a job. I need a friend. I need, uh, I need my health back. I don't need a promise. What good is that going to do? Well, there's two things about that, really. Uh, first of all, that even food, even tangible blessings won't keep you alive forever. And secondly, that promises actually work pretty well when you really believe them. We tend to both overestimate the, the value of real immediate resources and underestimate the value of a promise when that promise is certain to be kept. And to start off with, uh, even food won't keep you from dying. Uh, can't read the little text at the bottom probably, but it, it points out every, having your real needs met is only a Band-Aid. Uh, like a, a picnic in a graveyard doesn't do the people there much good. Uh, Luther points out how even a, a king, when he dies, his eating and drinking cease. He can have cellars full of fine wine and barns full of delicious uh, meats and cheeses, but it's not going to keep him alive. And when he dies, his eating and drinking cease. Uh, food is only a, a band-aid. Uh, earthly provisions only sustain temporarily and don't ultimately solve our problems. They don't provide for us in the way that we really need with permanent solutions. We need something over and above just having our immediate needs met because that can't go on forever. It's not sustainable. There's a greater need, a bigger need in play. And the other aspect of it is that promises actually work pretty well to support and sustain us. And see the picture of a $50 bill there. You know what that's actually worth? Its value is really that essentially of a, a very small hanky. It's, you can blow your nose on it, but that's it. it ha it's just a piece of cloth paper uh, that has no more intrinsic value than any other piece of high-quality paper. Uh, the, the value that is attached to it is actually in the fine print. This note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. It's a promise. The promise that people will accept this as a token of a certain amount of value, greatly in excess of the paper it's printed on. It's a promise. Uh, that has value because that promise is kept. 
And the same is true of God's promises that are not empty words or meaningless gestures. They're far more dependable even than the word of the government. And Jesus' promises are the best provision, in fact. As Jesus goes on to say, following the miracle in our gospel lesson, repeatedly in John chapter 6, as he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Later on, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. A little bit further on, he continues, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Again, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. It's hard to dispute the real presence of Jesus' body and blood in the Lord's Supper when you hear these words. But he goes on. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus' promise is eternal life, eternal and abundant provision for all those who believe in him. Because of his sacrifice for us. Fulfilling the promise that was made long, long before he was even born. In Isaiah, who prophesied on this mountain, referring to Jerusalem. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. That's uh, the perfect provision that Jesus' promise gives to us eternal life. That's the real picnic in a graveyard that goes uh, so far as to actually feed, support, and sustain his people even through death uh, to bring life to this, this graveyard of a world full of dying people. He brings a food, a feast to feed us forever. I didn't make a slide for it because I think most of you know it. That promise came through the 
uh, shepherd David as well, as we know in the 23rd Psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even in the presence of our greatest enemy, death. We have ongoing provision. Oh, we have a feast. Oh, we have a, a, a festival. We have a, a, a picnic and a party uh, that nothing can take away or ruin for us. That's our great provision. As we see in the, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus also gives a temporary and immediate resources to his people as well. He gave bread and fish uh, to the uh, people out there in the wilderness to fill their hungry bellies, uh, even though it, they would just get hungry again later on. And he faithfully provides for us in the same way, that all our temporal and uh, temporary blessings are likewise from him. And we do not despise those uh, or turn away from them as, oh, earthly stuff, to stay away from that. We receive whatever earthly provision God gives us in this life with gratitude and thanksgiving. Well, Luther pointed out how uh, Jesus' instructions to gather up the leftovers so that none would be wasted even it, uh, also encourages us to be good stewards of the earthly resources that he gives us. Rather than scorning uh, the earthly things uh, as merely earthly and depriving ourselves for the sake of some imaginary holiness, God encourages us to receive his earthly gifts with thanksgiving and to be good stewards of it, that, that none should be wasted. At the same time, we rely most of all on his eternal gifts. We look at the eternal gifts uh, he has given us of word and sacrament and the promise of eternal life attached to those as our best food our best clothing, our best medicine, and our best friendship. Here is what we rely on and value most of all. Our King Jesus shows his kingdom and gives us his kingdom by giving us a, a, a rich and abundant provision a picnic in a graveyard that we can celebrate always and depend on to sustain us no matter what is going on in our lives. Though we may be surrounded by hardship and death. Times we may be surrounded by riches and prosperity that would distract us from those things and tempt us to, to minimize the value of that. So uh, that we uh, can lose sight of it and grow dependent on other things that are not nearly as dependable. Well, riches and, and poverty can both distract uh, us from the real value. 
But that value does lie in the promises God has given us. And in those promises, as we learn to value and rely on those things most of all, we have a, a wonderful peace, a peace that is beyond all understanding, which will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until the day of his glorious return. Amen.